seated. We are going to move with a lapel mic today. So that means I can run all over. All right. Oh my. It's like untying a calf, you know. Yeah, he's doing fine. I think he's doing fine. Um, I suppose I better stay somewhat in the view. Yeah, I know. How many love Ephesians? We, we've started a study in Ephesians. But really, this is a, um, one, of the, one of the letters that Paul, while he was in prison, wrote to encourage the church. Now, if you were in prison and chains bound, maybe you had a, uh, they, they fed you sparingly, it's smelly, it was, it was not, not easy. You'd be, how many would be tempted to complain? Just a little. Yeah, come on, come on. It's easy to, yeah, just to read this and assume that, you know, Paul, he was always strong. He was always, you know, but, you know, I think he had his moments, too, like, like everyone else, where he maybe just, just a little bit wanted to ask God why. <laughs> why thou? Why this? I mean, everything has been going sort of tough, but it just got tougher. And so life is that way. We are not certain about what life will bring. I just read in an obituary of a friend that I did some work for that his life ended. And I thought, oh my goodness. We are here for a purpose. We never know when we may not, not see a loved one again. We have to make most of every opportunity. So husband, if you have wives, bless your wife today. <laughs> if you don't, if you've lost, God's grace be with you. I think every time there's a holiday for people that have lost loved ones close to them, it's always the hardest. And you think about, and you ask the questions, why? But you've learned with God's grace to be able to, to go on and, and to manage, to do your best, to, to work, to not give up. God is for you and I. And Paul wrote in the first chapter, just to review a little bit, he chose us before the foundation of the world. He chose us in him. He chose you and I to become righteous because Christ came to die and be resurrected. You were predestined. Verse 5, chapter 1 of Ephesians. He predestined us to adoption. God in his foreknowledge, all-knowingness, had it in his heart to adopt. Because we were not the chosen, well, Carrie said the chosen, frozen, frozen, chosen, whatever, but 
God chose the Jews, the nation of Israel, because they were small. That's what the scripture says. He chose to walk among them, to raise them up, to speak to them, to make them a nation for himself. And later on in the New Testament, guess what? All peoples can receive the Lord. You know, I think God has always loved all people, but he did not show this, this portion until later on. But you and I have been adopted. You, are, you and I have become joint heirs, inheriting You have all heaven awaiting for you. And the good news, your loved ones that are in Christ, that died in Christ, are there now waiting for you and I. That's kind of a hope. Not kind of, but that is a great hope. And you're going to be reunited again. You're going to see them again. Oh, my goodness. But until that day, we walk by faith and not by sight. And we walk knowing that we are not always going to understand or have all the answers. Paul in the second chapter begins to Explain a little bit before salvation. Reminds the readers what you used to be. And then he'll go on into what you are now. Sometimes it does us a little good to look how far we have come. If God has helped us and God is helping us. Verse 1, you were dead. You were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. What does that mean? Read on. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. In other words, you were just like the rest who did not know God. You were acting just like all those who had the spirit Uh, Verse 2, the last part, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And what we see in our world today is the spirit that is working in the sons of disobedience. And so we do not have the Lord, then the enemy has free range to uh, just kind of use us and, and begin to tear down and not build up. That's what the enemy comes comes to do. But notice, Paul says, you were. In other words, when we come to Christ, old things, old things pass away. In other words, when I was dead in my sins and trespasses, I did not care about anyone else, really, to a degree. But now... When I came to Christ, I was just a little boy. I was just a young little boy. But I thought I began to realize, even as a little boy, that there are things that God has 
was helping me with, even as a young boy, to be able to have compassion, for example, or to forgive, and not to be worried too much. Paul describes that pre, pre-salvation, verse 3, we live according to our own flesh and the lusts of our flesh. And, and, and in other words, it was anything that, that, was, that felt good, we, we just did it. We were, you, couldn't, you couldn't have enough. You couldn't ever quench the thirst of the flesh and were by nature children of wrath. We were doomed. We were on the, the path to destruction. We were going to destroy ourselves. And let me say this, that when we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, we were unconcerned about those who were struggling, those who were also uh, going on the same path of destruction. We were dead, uncaring, not wanting to give or be a part of the church, not wanting to participate in any kind of missions outreach, just kind of living for self. How many know that's a dead-end course? Man, it's a sickening feeling. And so many people need to understand Without Christ seated on the center and the seated on the heart on our heart of hearts, it doesn't matter how much we can get out of this life. It doesn't matter how much we can squeeze into the day. It will never take the place of Christ in our heart, in our heart, being on our throne of our hearts. But here's the good news. I like good news. But God, number one, verse four, but God, whatever's happening in the world right now is crazy, but God, God is the only hope for our our future. If there's going to be any kind of turnaround, any kind of hope, listen. The church needs to set the pace, lead the way. The church, the believers, you and I, we ought to act differently, right? From the world, right? And not to say, I'm not meaning strange or being weird. Genuine. In the book of Daniel, we read about how Daniel was living in a time when this king was elevating himself. And God knows how to bring down kings who elevate themselves. This certain king, almost like he was taking the place, saying, I'm, I'm God, worship me. That's exactly what Satan has in mind. Right? He wants you and I to bow down to him. But look at, look at Daniel in the book of Daniel. And you, he went on praying, believing in his God. He went on 
praying. His, his routine of prayer was three times a day, and he probably prayed between those times. But he had a regular time of prayer. He would, he would kneel before the Lord over and over and over again. And he knew the circumstances. He knew the rule that the men made up. Because if the only thing they could find it wrong with Daniel to accuse him was something. They had to take something good and twist it and take something good and begin to make some kind of a rule, make something up so that there, now we can catch him in his own. Yes, the enemy wants to kill, still, and destroy. But I say, but God intervened. And God placed favor on Daniel, and God kept Daniel from the lions that were said he was thrown into the lions. The lions just went to sleep. God is good. May God silence the enemy. May he silence the, 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 that voice that is coming against us. To say that you're no good, you'll never amount to anything, you'll never accomplish anything but God. Being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, even when we couldn't help ourselves, we were squabbling, we were unable to save ourselves. But God. Made us, look at verse 5, made us alive. You are alive when Christ comes in. You become alive. You, you come to life. You come to completeness. You, you become one who is, is, is resurrected out of that old nature. I'm not saying that you'll never be tempted again. That's not the case. But you have the Lord with you. And if you will seek him, you will find him. If you will call upon him, he will be with you. He wants us to live with him. He raised us up. Notice how Paul is, is, is just exalting how the Lord is, is raising us up, is seating us with him, seating us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus in order that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his Grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, right? For by grace you have been saved. Not grace alone, but grace through faith. Your faith, that little mustard seed faith that says, I believe. Jesus, you are who you said you were. You are. Not of yourselves. And here's where we get mixed up. So many people, I think, are living in that thinking, if I just somehow do good things, I'll outweigh my bad things. How's that working for you? I'm not saying that you do that. But let me just say this. How is that going to work for that person? When Jesus says, I'm the only way to salvation. So here's how it works. 
We admit that we're a sinner. We admit, when you admit that you have sinned, now God is saying, yes, that's what I need. In order for me to come into your life and become your Lord, you must admit that you need me and that you want me and you want, you need forgiveness. Well, you say, oh, if I just work a little harder. No. God wants you to do is put things in order. We let Jesus, we admit our need for Jesus. Jesus comes into our heart. Oh, all of a sudden we come, we, we, are, we are awakened. It's called conversion. Our salvation. The work of the Holy Spirit. That what we couldn't see before, that we couldn't see how things were and how God would work and how God would help us in situation. We now begin to, faith begin to take a hold of our lives. All of a sudden, because of our salvation, because of our relationship with God, we now, we begin to think differently. All of a sudden, out of the heart, out of the heart, we begin to think, what can I do now? What can I do to help others? What can I do to bring someone else hope? And we, we begin to work with God because we, we read on here that we're not saved by works, but we're saved unto. We're saved now the work begins. Does that make sense? We are his workmanship. Read it, verse 10. Created in Christ Jesus for good work. Every one of us has a work. God has designed us. You have gifts, abilities. God has wired you, put it all together. You and God are discovering what it is that you are called and created for. Good news. Good news. A people that are looking for purpose in life. God gives purpose. God begins to open up our understanding that we are not just here to live for ourselves, but we are here, and that's why Paul could write, even from a prison cell, he can begin to encourage others while he was writing from this prison cell because he was thinking about not just himself, oh, poor me, I'm here stuck in this prison, but there are, is an army that God is raising up outside of these walls, and there is a church that Jesus is building in the world today, and we are a part of that church because through Christ we are made a part of his body to function, to move. But God, we read in scriptures, Romans 5, 8, another but God, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
while we were still lost, uncaring, unconcerned, Christ came down into this world to give his life a ransom but God. Someone said, by the grace of God, there goes I. What would, what that, that, that's just a saying that the grace that saved us, the same grace that keeps us from going off and becoming something that we would destroy ourselves and destroy others in the process. The Bible says, six, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. There's a consequence of sin. Why did God have to send his son? Because of sin. Sin entered into the picture. We have a problem. The whole humanity, the whole world, all of humanity has the same problem. We are born into sin and we need the Savior. The good news is, but God came and gave his life. He is rich. He is not short-handed. He is not borrowing from someone else. He has it all. He is the creator. He is the one who has more than we can ever understand. Later on in Ephesians, it's described in chapter 3, verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond and all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, you and I cannot outthink the Lord. Can't think big enough. What are your greatest challenges today? What are your greatest hurts? What are your greatest needs, greatest concerns? What are you praying about lately? I want to encourage your faith to get a hold of the grace of God that is calling you and I in such a time as this that we live in, that we would not live or lean on the arm of the flesh, that we would lean on the Holy Spirit and the power of God that raised up people that were even destroyed, people that are being destroyed in this world for the sake of Christ. There, I believe, they will have a greater grace. Yes. A greater grace to endure. I don't get caught up in comparing yourself to other people, believers. I mean, it's okay to be encouragers. You and I are all uniquely different. And that's a good thing. And the church of Jesus Christ is made up of a whole variety of peoples and all kinds of backgrounds and personalities and giftings. And everyone is needed. Everyone has a purpose. God being rich in mercy. Paul describes later in this chapter 
You look down to verse 14. Ephesians 2, he himself is our peace. Isn't that great? The storms can be raging. Things can be falling apart around you. God gives peace. There's an inner peace. God is not the author of confusion. Whenever there's confusion, there's tempers are flaring. Fears are raised up. God, whom we serve, breaks down the barrier. Notice in verse 14, he himself is our peace who made both groups into what is he talking about? He's talking about the nation of Israel and, the, and all the Gentile, other people. who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity. God is in the reconciliation business. Are you glad? Reconciliation has to make, has to do with being in right relationship. Things are, some of the young people, that things are cool. <laughs> right? It's good. We're good. Right? That's, that's kind of a, a thinking. Without God, man messes and messes. Even with God, we make messes. But the difference is we admit, oh, we become teachable. Oh, I messed up. Oh, I'm only human. I can't lean on the arm of the flesh. It'll fail me every time. I'm skipping down to verse 19. You are no longer strangers and aliens. You ever felt like an alien, stranger? You know, you, know, you moved here, you came from a different place. I mean, we came here over 25 years ago. We went to the restaurant. <laughs> ah, we don't know anybody here. Weird feeling. Go to a high school event or a school event and a sports event, and there's nobody we know. It was a strange time, a transition. We're just like, right now, what the Bible is describing is. God, the Holy Spirit, 
helps to bring unity. When you find another brother or sister in the Lord, you feel, ah, togetherness, camaraderie, someone I could share, trust with. Look at this verse, 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. What he's saying is, Gentile, you also are grafted in. You are adopted. You are part of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles, prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone of some of, some of you builders out there. Block layers, understand corners that are square is good. <laughs> corners that are not square, not good. The whole building gets dilapidated. Let me tell you a story. I was in my probably 19-ish, 20, working with my brother who was also at that time kind of getting his start. He, was, he, was, he could lay blocks and I was just starting with him. We laid the corners up on a foundation. Lo and behold, we checked with square. We were two and a half inches out of whack. Well, two and a half inches is a lot. Not good. So what did we do? We tore the leads down and started over. Because we could not accept, we could not, we could not have the, the homeowner, maybe we could have got away with it, but the builder would have, would have caught it. Everything goes so hard. If you get started wrong, how many know you rebottle the house and you know there's nothing, where do you start here? Everything's got a level, everything's, you make it up. You piece it together. It's 10 times as harder to oftentimes remodel versus just build a new and build it right. And so that cornerstone is Christ. And I like that. Here's, a, I wish I had a, some blocks here I'd show you. But we level this way and we level this way. We level this up and down vertical. We level. Vertical, up and down, horizontal, back and forth. Now all your core seams get a string, and you align your your next course on the string. With the corner, it's putting in everything in proportion. Jesus puts your life in proportion. Jesus puts perspective, puts purpose, puts belonging, puts the foundation goes in. So the whole building is being fitted together, is growing. In this building of God, the people of God, we're all in a process. I wanted to say, I don't know if I have time to go into this. We're saved when we accept Christ. It was, it's, it's, it's instant, instant, okay? You're, you're saved. Your sins are forgiven, and you learn to walk with it. Now we have this, this big word we, we call sanctification. How many have ever heard of it? 
Never heard of it? You heard of it? All right. Good, 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 good. What does that mean? Um, sanctified. Here's what it means. I'm set apart. I'm not perfect. I'm in process. God is not done with me yet. Good news. You're in process. You're saved. But now you're learning how to walk with him. How to hear. What is he saying in his word to us? You are a building being fitted together. You are growing into a holy temple. We're not done yet. And only to heaven. Only when we are changed. Then we will be completed as far as we are being ready for heaven. Being having a new body. Until then. We walk by faith. Ethan, you can come back. We're going to get ready for one more song. Oh, help us. The Bible gives reference. Gives reference to the Lord doing something absolutely unheard of. When he came into this life, into humanity. Why did he do that? This song is titled Reckless Love. It's not a negative against God. It's not reckless to me. It's, it's this song in its context. It has to do with God going beyond all expectations, unbelievable, unheard of. That he would let himself be broken, beaten, crucified but it didn't end there and on the third day he rose again and triumph victory is a church victory is for the house of God victory is for anyone who would believe and I would say to you today encourage you If you haven't already, take that step toward him. Believe who he is. Believe, confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ as Lord. Let's sing it and we'll have a final prayer.